I'll invite Heather to come up and do our reading for us. Good morning. John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Amen. Thank you, Heather. Good morning, church family. How are we? Good. It's nice to see uh, some of the regular 9 a.m.ers here at 11 o'clock today. Uh, Nothing but grace and love, Dave, and you're fine. It's all good. Uh, Also, if somebody would, just go out to the lobby, grab all of the coffee pots, bring them. We'll put them like one here. We'll pass them around. We'll just, no need to leave. We'll just bring the coffee to us so we can all refuel on Daylight Saving Sunday. If you're new, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors. Really glad to see you here. Welcome. And we as a church have been going through the Gospel of John for the better part of two years. And uh, just realized as I was prepping this week, today, and then 12 more total sermons left in John. That includes Good Friday as well. And so we're right on the final countdown. And we've been in a section of John known as the Upper Room. And in the Upper Room, this is the the night before Jesus was crucified. Uh, This is a conversation, a teaching time, and a conversation that Jesus had with his 11 remaining faithful disciples. And we've been taking this section kind of line by, I'm sorry, not line by line, the opposite of that, (laughs) Uh, theme by theme. Because if you read through John 14 through 17, you see the same ideas and themes kind of coming up over and over again. So we said, hey, let's just go thematically. And so today we're looking at heaven. And one thing you may have noticed in the scripture reading today, or if you've been reading this upper room section, is the word heaven never appears in this passage. And you say, well, why, dear Pastor Aaron, then are we talking about heaven if the word never appears? Because a lot of other words do appear. I'm going to be with my father. I came from my father. I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, My father's house. uh, In my father's house are are many rooms. And for those of you, you know, 90s youth group kids, don't worry, I will not be singing the audio adrenaline song by that same name. I literally had to fight Pete this week. He really wanted to sing Big Big House. And I said, no, that's ridiculous. (sighs) Kind of ridiculous idea is that. So we're going to talk about heaven today. And before we do anything, I want to just remind you, even now as we go in prayer, what an amazing privilege it is that we can speak to our God in heaven through Jesus Christ. So would you join with me in prayer right now before we look at these these words? God, I ask and I pray right now that you would remind us that we are part of something much bigger than just those of us seated in this room right now. That God, we are singing along with the angels, that we're part of a tradition of faith that includes the saints who have gone before us, who are in your presence in heaven right now. And that Jesus, as we pray, you hear our prayers from heaven where you are seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf, morning, noon, night. God, I pray that we would be caught up into the life of heaven today. And this would not just be mere words or ideas, uh, but these would be the the very life of heaven, the, the presence of heaven would be brought near to us through the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray for myself. 
I pray that the words that I share would be truthful and they'd be helpful. And I pray for each and every single one of us to have a a bigger view, a bigger vantage point of, of who we are and what we're called to as a result of our time together. Be with us, I pray, in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. Thinking about heaven, uh, I had a couple of opportunities this week to reflect, and it just was amazing to me that God kind of just set these little moments up. The the first one was earlier in the week, I was outside, and it was clear, it was really cold, and I remember just looking up into the sky and seeing, as clear as day, the constellation Orion the belt of Orion and like it was, it was turned right. You know how sometimes the constellations are turned weird? Like it was just right set up and I just had this moment of like, oh, I see it. Uh, I'm not a particularly visual person. You know, some of you are artists or designers or whatever. I, I just don't see those things that often. And especially living as far north as we do, you don't see it maybe as clearly. I remember a couple of years ago being in Uganda and that's like right on the equator and just the, the constellations are just boom, like right there. But I had this moment where I'm just, I'm looking at Orion. I'm like, oh, and there's, there's Ursa Minor. And, and I, I was, I had kind of two thoughts. Number one, I had this thought about like, you know, the ancient people, pre-scientific, just looking up at the sky and seeing these different shapes and these images and what must've been going through their head. And, and I had a, a, that, that, that Psalm that says, you know, Lord, when I consider your, your heavens, the work of your fingers, what is a human being that you're even mindful of us? I just had this kind of humbled before God moment of looking up at the heavens and then the other experience I had was I was listening to Johnny Cash, obviously, uh, because it was a day ending in Y. And there was this song that came up. It was a, he, he, there was this box set of, of records released after his death. It's called Unearthed. It was all these unreleased songs. It's just Johnny and an acoustic guitar as the Lord intended. And we're going to hear that brother sing when we're in all in heaven together one day. But he had this song. And it was kind of this perfect song, a bridge between what I taught on last week of the world and this week of teaching on heaven. You guys remember last week, one of the the problems we talked about that sometimes happens with our engagement of the world is we don't engage with the world. We pull back. We keep ourselves distant. And that was in my, I was listening to, I won't play it or even try to sing it because Johnny Cash sounds like a man and I don't. So he says this though, he says, Come heed me, good brothers. Come here, one and all. Don't brag about standing or you'll surely fall. You're shining your light. Yes, and shine it you should, but you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You ever heard that line before? He didn't write that line. It's kind of a saying, but he wrote the song. If you're holding heaven, then spread it around. There are hungry hands reaching up here from the ground. Move over and share the high ground where you stood. You're so heavenly minded and you're no earthly good. One more verse. The gospel ain't gospel until it is spread. I love Johnny Cash. But how can you share it where you've got your head? There's hands that reach out for a hand if you would. You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Now, on the one hand, I deeply resonate with what St. Johnny, uh, the patron saint of Sound City Bible Church, is saying, at least of me. I deeply resonate with what he's saying because there are some people, it's like they spend all their time just reading their Bible, praying, and there's no mission. There's no service. There's no care for the poor. There's none of those things that we're called to as Christians. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're tracking with me. But I I can't believe I'm going to say this. In disagreement with Johnny Cash, I actually think 
that the problem is not being heavenly minded. There's, there's other problems. There's other distortions. I actually think, and, and my big idea of where I want to take us today is this. If we really, truly understand heaven, we can't think about it too much. The real biblical teaching about heaven should pervade every area of our life. And actually, if we really understand what Jesus said about heaven, it will actually fuel us for mission and for service. So I'm going to get there, but here's where we're going to go. We got three points today. Y'all lost an hour of sleep last night. I'm going to try to keep it real simple for you. Okay. Number one, we need to understand heaven. Number two, we need to receive heaven. And then number three, we can live for heaven. Understand heaven, receive heaven, live for heaven. Of these three, I'll tell you a personal passion of mine is the idea of rightly understanding heaven. I remember being maybe like in my late 20s, raised in a Christian home, going to, you know, kids' church, Sunday school, even going to a a private Christian school for a number of years when I was younger and having this epiphany somewhere in my late 20s, 27, 28 years old. I'm like, I am almost three decades old and there are these big, huge misunderstandings about heaven that I've had. And and seeing these things kind of come into clear focus is a particular passion of mine. It's like, like, how many of you know that there are some real uh, unbiblical ideas about heaven floating out there? right? Uh, Popular imagination, what I call sometimes, you know, Looney Tunes, heaven, right? Where everyone's shimmery and see-through and sitting on a cloud. A lot of medieval imagination that has gotten into our consciousness. Or here's the big one, right? When I mention heaven, what most people in the church think of when I say heaven is the place you go when you die. Now, that's not untrue, but that's just not the totality of what the Bible has to say about heaven. It's kind of missing the beginning and the end part. It's like, it's, yeah, that's the middle, but there's more to it, right? It'd be like if I said, oh, you know about Michael Jordan? You're like, oh yeah, the guy in the Hanes commercials, right? It's like, "Mm, yeah, that's not untrue, but there's just more to it, right? (laughs) Like he owns the Charlotte Hornet. Anyway, so like there's other things about, okay, so, so let's do this. If you have your Bibles, We will be in the Gospel of John at some point, but we're going to start in Genesis 1 and just going to go straight through the whole Bible. You wish I was kidding. Genesis 1. Let me me read you because you can't get out of the first line in the entire Bible without the idea of heaven being introduced. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word in the Hebrew is shemayim. It is a plural word. Interestingly, that word for heaven, it's most commonly in the plural. Rarely is it in the singular. It's a plural word, the heavens. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So whatever's going on here, in the beginning of creation, God's creating the heavens and the earth, and there's a lot of water. Skipping down to verse 6, God said... You know, the first day separated light from dark. Good. Now, day two, God says, let there be an expanse. Let there be an expanse. Now, that word expanse is the Hebrew word rakia. Uh, let me just, a quick show of hands. Is there anybody here today who has a good old-fashioned King James Bible with them? Anybody? Arthur? Okay. Well, not just your iPad though, right? Like, oh, an actual King James 
Okay, well, that's good. The, do you remember the word that's used in the King James there? Anybody know? So I put you on the spot. You're walking back. You're coming down. So this is what happens when you leave your seat, man. I call you out in the middle of the sermon. The word, firmament. Thank you. Yes, Mike. I knew I could count on you. Firmament. Expanse. Uh, sky firmament. And it says, let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the rakia and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. The word rakia comes from the Hebrew word for a hammered bronze bowl. So just try to put yourself in a, a pre-scientific mindset. You, you, you see there's all this water below. You look above, it looks kind of like a big bowl. And it's blue. And sometimes water falls from it, right? So the idea is like there's these waters above. And there's these waters below. And God has put this firmament, this rakia, this bowl, this expanse, sometimes called heaven. Continuing on, verse 20. God said, we've we've moved on a few more days here. He says, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And let birds, here it is, fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So we're barely even into the first chapter of the Bible and we're seeing this word heaven used in a variety of ways. And what biblical scholars and and commentators, theologians throughout the years have said is that the biblical authors had a view of heaven that was threefold. The first heaven is the, the sky above. This is where birds and clouds are, right? If you are a, again, this is pre-scientific, you don't have an airplane, you don't even have a hot air balloon, you look up, you see, okay, there's birds up there, and there's clouds, you can see the clouds kind of moving, so that's that's a layer of, of heaven. This is the first heaven. This is, you know, like in Psalm 47, it says he covers the heaven with clouds, or I actually think that maybe this is in view in John chapter one, when Jesus is baptized and it says, I saw a, a, a dove, I saw the spirit descend like a dove from heaven and land on Jesus. Where do doves live? In that first heaven. There's a second heaven though, and it's that rakia, it's that expanse, it's that canopy, it's that dome where the, the, the waters above are held at bay and it's where the sun and the moon and the stars are kept. This second heaven is referred to in places like Psalm 19 where it says that the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Or again, I think this is what Jesus is referencing back in John chapter 1 when he says, hey, I'm, I'm the stairway to heaven, I'm the ladder that connects heaven and earth. And he says, you're going to see the heaven opened and the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. I think he's talking about that, that canopy, the sky be rolled back like a scroll as the hymn says. But then there's a third heaven, the heaven of heavens. It says in Nehemiah or in Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules all. The Hebrew language is interesting when it, when it uses this word like heaven of heavens or king of kings, Lord of lords. What the, the Hebrew language, that's a way of saying like the, the king over all the other kings. Yeah, there's lots of kings. He's like the king. Yeah, there's several heavens, but this is like the heaven. Sometimes you'll actually see it translated as highest heaven. Praise him in the highest heavens. It literally is the heaven of heavens. And this is where God lives. This is God's home, to put it colloquially. This is where God most displays 
his goodness, his glory, his power. This is God's domain. So the biblical authors have this threefold view of heaven. By the way, some of you may have already kind of, you know, clicked over to this hyperlink in your mind. But you remember in 2 Corinthians 12, when the apostle Paul is, he's talking, he says, you know, I, I know a guy. I know a guy who got caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. He's, only God knows. He's like, this is a crazy experience. I'm not entirely sure what happened. But this dude, 14 years ago, got caught up into the heaven of heavens, the third heaven. And, and I, I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Look at that synonym. He was caught up into paradise. Again, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He says the exact same thing twice. Like Paul is kind of freaking out here. By the way, most biblical commentators believe that when Paul says, I know a guy, what he means is it was me, but I'm trying not to brag. It's like when people go on social media, like, hey, I'm just asking for a friend. It's like, no, you're not. You're asking for you. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. This is the third heaven. Are you tracking with me, Sound City? This is God's domain. This is God's place where he rules and he reigns. And in God's heaven, the heaven of heavens, nothing happens that is outside of the will of our God. Edward Donnelly, a... uh, pastor and an author. He he wrote a very helpful short book called Heaven and Hell. He says, if God is present everywhere, then how is heaven his home? You ever wondered that? I thought God was omnipresent. Well, perhaps we have a clue in the word home. Home is where we can be ourselves. If you want to know a person, you must see them at home. You will not learn so much about them at work or out in society, smartly dressed and on their best behavior or in the lobby of Linwood High School, saying, how are you, brother? Oh, good. If you want to see the person, you got to go in their home. You see the person as they really are. Although God is present everywhere in his power and wisdom, in his holiness and justice, heaven is his home. And when we say that, we mean that heaven is where God most clearly reveals himself and where we see him as he really is in the fullness of his being. So the Bible uses the word heaven in a variety of ways, the sky, outer space, the sun, moon, and stars, but the dimension, I know know that word might freak some of you out, but it sounds kind of science fiction, but it's, it's where God dwells. It's his realm, his dimension. Another thing about understanding heaven is that at the beginning of the story, heaven and earth were joined together. But if we keep reading in Genesis chapter three, we see that the unity that existed between heaven and earth was broken at the fall. Adam and Eve rebelled against God, his, his good and wise rule. They said, no, thank you. We want to live life on our own terms. We want to do things according to our will and our purpose. And, and just imagine the portrait of what it was like before that. This garden paradise, this, we talked about a little bit last week, but this, this temple where God and man walk together. It says that the Lord came to walk in the garden in the cool of the day. There's angels there. There's cherubim there. It says that, you know, like, like animals were present there. Apparently even talking animals that didn't completely freak out even Adam. 
Like, I, I think, I don't, I can't say this with certainty, but it just seems like those first few pages, the, the world as we experienced it back then is completely different than the world we experience it today. That there was an expulsion of mankind out of that perfection, that presence, that glory of God. If God is perfect and sinless and holy and righteous, then fallen sinful man cannot withstand his presence. And because of our sin, it says that the man and the woman were expelled from the garden and cherubim and a flaming sword were placed at the entrance. And we just can't quite get back to how it was. Interesting thing to study out. If you want to look at the tabernacle or the temple in, in, in Exodus, Leviticus, Think about the way that the tabernacle is constructed. You have these outer courts. And, you know, that's kind of just where anybody and everybody is. But then you have this like first place called the holy, the holy place. And then you have this like second thing, this barrier, this, this veil, this canopy, this firmament. That beyond that is the holy of holies. Oh, the most holy place where God's presence dwells, where only the high priest can go only once a year, only after making sacrifices for himself. These things are not accidental, friends. The tabernacle and the temple are these portraits of the way the universe is constructed. At the fall, heaven and earth were broken apart, which leads me to our our current experience of heaven because when I said a minute ago that, that when we die, we go to heaven. If you've trusted in Christ, that is a true statement. It's just that that's not the end of the story. You know about death, right? You've heard of it. It's a horrible thing. Every death is a tragedy. Even for a believer, death is a tragedy because our spirit and our bodies were not meant in God's original good creation to be ripped apart like that. The good news is though, That when we die, if you've placed your trust, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, your spirit goes to be in paradise, in heaven with God. Let me show you what I mean. Psalm 73, 24. You guide me with your counsel. Right now, God's guiding us. Isn't that good? And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Where's glory? Where's God's glory most perfectly on display? In heaven. Luke 16, Jesus is telling a parable. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Heaven here is depicted as getting to cuddle with Abraham. Thought hadn't occurred to me, but awesome. Uh, I'm not much of a snuggler. Uh, apparently, apparently side hugs are a thing even in heaven, okay? Uh, but that's the portrait of like this place of rest. They get to go be with the righteous. Abraham, Father Abraham, you get to go sit next to Abraham. Also in Luke chapter 23, when Jesus is on the cross, he says to the thief who who believes in him and confesses faith, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. 2 Corinthians 5, and there's a few other places where the apostle Paul speaks this way. He says, you know, to be away from the body is to be at home and present with the Lord. He talks about that in Philippians as well. So the idea being right now, there is a heaven, the present heaven. Heaven as it is right now is God's realm, is God's domain. When you and I die, 
If you have trusted in Jesus, if you've given your sin and received his salvation, then good news, your spirit goes to be with God in the present heaven. But like the old infomercials say, wait, there's more. There's a book by Randy Alcorn and uh, it's really big. It's like over 500 pages long and it's called um, Heaven. And uh, he writes about this and I I want you to see what he says because he transitions us from thinking about the present heaven to the future heaven. Randy Alcorn says this, what we usually think of when we hear the word heaven is what theologians call the intermediate heaven or the intermediate state. You know what intermediate means? Like the middle, right here, right now. But there's more to come. For Christians, it's the place where we go when we die. It's the place we'll live until our bodily resurrection. Our Christian loved ones who've died are now in this present intermediate heaven. The heaven we go to when we die is a place without suffering. Amen? That's good news. Rest, paradise, Abraham's side, reclining a table. But it's not the place where we'll live forever. Our eternal home, where God will come down to dwell among his people, is called the new earth. So there's a heaven right now, but there is a heaven to come, a renewed heavens and a renewed earth. You can read about it in Revelation, but I want to read about it from Isaiah 65. If you have your Bible, we're going to get to John. We're almost there. Look, we're halfway there. Come on. Isaiah chapter 65, because look at what the prophet Isaiah prophesies. It's picked up by John when he writes the book of Revelation, starting in verse 17. Isaiah says, for behold, speaking for God, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Would anyone like to have your mind freed from the burdens of the, quote, former things? But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. There will be a city, a city filled with joy and gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. Oh, God's going to be there. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. Do you guys know that God is glad in you? And we understand that maybe from a distance right now. How awesome will it be to watch our God dancing when we lift up our voices when Johnny Cash leads the singing? Okay, so I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more. Shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days for the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. This is prophetic imagery, prophetic language to say living for a really, really, really long time. Oh, almost like eternal life. They shall build houses and inhabit them. Okay, so not clouds, with a see-through shimmery robe harp situation, houses. You're going to build a house and inhabit them. You're going to plant a vineyard and eat their fruit. We're in a bad season for fresh fruit right now. It's March, right? But I ate a strawberry yesterday and it was pretty good. And knowing I was going to preach this, I had the thought, just weird thoughts go through my mind. I thought, How good 
will strawberries be when we are free from the curse of sin and death? Like, you think strawberries are good now? Oh, man. You're going to build. You're not going to build and someone else take over and inhabit your house. You're not going to plant and someone else take your food from you. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Is this good news to anybody? No more thorns and thistles. No more fruitless labor. Not just sitting around bored, working, building, planting, doing the work of the Lord. You ever have one of those days at work where it's like, man, I, I almost feel like, like my, my labor was not in vain. I worked. I enjoyed my work. You ever had like a really good day at work? A million times better than that for all of eternity. Feasting, singing, eating, working, all of the above. Before Oh, they shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they even call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. And then I I just love this. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. You guys ever see those videos go out like on social media or places where it's like somebody got a bear when they were like a little bear cub and they like fed them and pampered them and raised them. And then now it's like this, you know, like 1500 pound monstrosity. And it's like just petting it and snuggling, right? Like, like I'm from Alaska. You do not hang with bears. You do, you run away or you shoot them. Those are the two options, right? But like these people do that. I'm like, man, what a cool portrait. I always want to share those videos and just hashtag Isaiah 65 because I think that's like a little tiny picture of what the renewed heavens and the renewed earth are going to be like. Like not just will there be peace among mankind, but there will be like ecological peace that the wolf and the lamb are going to just hang out and eat some grass together. (sighs) That's coming for us. Today, there is a heaven where God rules and reigns in perfection, but a day is coming when Jesus will return and we're going to see a new heavens and a new earth and all things will be made new. That's the end of the story. It's like, it's like there's life after death, but as author and theologian N.T. Wright says, there's life after life after death. Um, don't forget the end of the story. Anthony uh, Hokum, a great Bible scholar teacher, he is... In the presence of the Lord now, he's he's passed away a few years ago. It says this, the new Jerusalem does not remain in a heaven far off in space, but it comes down to the renewed earth. There, the redeemed will spend eternity in resurrection bodies. So heaven and earth now separated will then be merged. The new earth will also be heaven since God will dwell there with his people. Glorified believers, in other words, I love this, will continue to be in heaven while they are inhabiting the new earth. That's what the Bible teaches. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground. You have to forgive me. I know this is, this is more detail maybe than some of you asked, but it's important to me that we understand this because I think it really makes a big difference. Let me, let me summarize this all, this, all that I've said so far. The physical heavens, the sky, the stars, the sun, the moon, that's a sign that points us to the heaven of God a realm where God rules and reigns in perfection. And one day there will be no more separation between heaven and earth. So now the question is, how? 
How is that going to happen? And I'm really glad you asked that question. The answer is Jesus. And this is where we get back into the gospel of John and the things that Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter three and in many other places that he came from heaven. In John chapter three, Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one of the religious leaders. He's a teacher of Israel's law, but Nicodemus just isn't getting it. This is where you get the whole famous, you know, for God so loved the world. This is where you get, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, how do you even be born again? But one of the first things that Jesus said to him was, I have come from heaven. And then Jesus says, like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. See, friends, Jesus was in fact a ancient Near Eastern Carpenter turned rabbi turned Messiah. That's absolutely true. The confessions state that Jesus is truly man. We must never forget that. He really is a real man who lived, who walked, who probably got a cold, who was tired, who would have probably said that daylight saving time is a foolish idea to rob people of an hour of sleep. Fully man. If you're feeling tired today, just know that Jesus can identify you but we, with you. But we must never forget that Jesus is truly God and that he came from heaven for a specific purpose to be lifted up on the cross, to die, to, to, to take the sins of the world upon himself so that there could be a restoration between God and man, so that there could be the joining of heaven and earth back together. Jesus' cross now stands as a permanent access point between heaven and earth. If you want to be where God is, if you want to be in his presence, you must go through Jesus. We talked about this a few weeks ago in the, in the, the teaching on the way, the truth, and the life. That cross is now a permanent access point between heaven and earth. If you're here today and you've not received heaven as Jesus is, is offering it to you, it's not through your good works. It's not through a bunch of religious practices. It's through the cross of Jesus looking upon him, lifted up, dying, rising again, offering us salvation. Another thing that Jesus said though, is that heaven right now today can be experienced in him. John 14, he says, if anyone loves me and keeps my word, you know, receives the gospel message, my father and I, we're going to love you and we're going to come to you and we're going to make our home with you. So yes, there is a, a far off heaven, a, a realm that, that is where God rules and reigns, but it's made near to us through Jesus. And actually, did you know that you can taste of heaven here and now because of what Jesus has done? You are not as far away from heaven as you might feel. Every, you know what I'm talking about? Some days you ever feel like, man, this is a very broken world. I'm a very broken person. You have access to these, these foretastes, these joys of heaven right here and right now through Jesus Christ. I had a moment yesterday, just not a good moment. Sinfulness, just ugliness in my heart. And uh, just had this moment where I was ugh, just 
gross. Just not, let's just say heaven was not overflowing out of my heart or my lips. But God was gracious in that moment to remind me, wait a minute. Jesus has died and risen again. Not only am I forgiven of my sins, but I can actually taste of heaven right here and right now. And so I was able to to pray with my wife and my kids and kind of talk about things and just to experience this like, oh, this sweetness and this peace and this joy, even though I was sinful, even though the world still looks pretty broken, I was able to taste just for a moment of that that sweetness of heaven because God is with us in the person of Jesus Christ and he's given his spirit to us. It's important to remember, speaking of the spirit, that Jesus has now returned to heaven. Multiple times, John 14, you know, I I go to prepare a place for you. Or John 16, I've come into the world, but I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And, and, And sometimes we can think of that like, darn, why is Jesus gone? I wish he was here. I wish he was physically present. Jesus said, first of all, it's good for you that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. We talked about, again, we've talked about all these themes. See how they're all like just interlocking and trying to untangle them, but it's like, you know, trying to unbundle a, a big ball of rubber bands. Like they're all connected together, but the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And like we sang earlier, that Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father, living to make intercession for us. That's a very fancy biblical way of saying that every single moment of your life, the good, the bad, the otherwise, you are being covered in prayer by the Savior who shed his blood to redeem you. That's good news. That's really good news. And then lastly, number four, receiving this heaven. It's not just about going to heaven when we die. It's not just about Jesus returning and bringing the fullness of heaven with him. But right now today, heaven is breaking into the earth. Jesus said in John chapter six, I am the bread that comes from heaven that brings life to the world. There's dozens of other passages. I'm the light that has come into the world. Uh, if you want to go over to, you know, places like Matthew, where he, he talks about like the gospel is like, like a little bit of yeast that you mix in and then it just goes throughout the whole, uh, you know, what do you call it? Dough. Obviously not a professional bread maker. Uh, you know, he talks about the, the kingdom of God, like this, this little seed that gets planted and it grows into a big, huge tree. Or think about the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Say it with me if you know it, as it is in heaven. See, God is not just hold up in heaven, waiting for that final day when, when we're going to see the entirety of heaven. But right now, through his people, heaven is breaking into earth. Think about all the miracles that Jesus did. Think about the miracles that Jesus did. Every time Jesus did a miracle, yes, it's a display of his power, but it's not just some like arbitrary, like showing off. He was bringing heaven to earth. In heaven, there will be no more people who have leprosy or blindness or who are crippled. In heaven, we will all see and we will all rejoice and we will all dance. When Jesus brought those healings, he was showing us what heaven is going to be like. Friends, when you and I go into the world and and we minister goodness and grace and love and peace and joy, we get to participate with our God in seeing heaven coming to earth. How many of you, like if you've ever 
maybe taken a young child with you to work. Uh, anybody ever done that? You know, bring your kid to work day. How helpful are they? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, good. I love that attitude. I, mean, I, I ask you because Sam behind you, he's going to be more negative than you, I can tell. So if you ever try to take your kid to work with you, it's like, you know, they, they draw on things and they, you know, they mess with your, your chair height and like all those sorts of things, right? They're not all that helpful. And I, I sometimes feel like maybe God is a little bit like that with us. Like, hey, I'm bringing you to work. You're not really the ones who are going to, you know, bring heaven to earth. It's the work of God. We don't get to take credit for it, but how cool is it that our father loves us so much to invite us into the work that he's doing in the world? We need to think rightly about heaven. We need to receive heaven because in so doing, we can then live for heaven. And I want to talk about living for heaven. I want to, I want to speak two, hopefully very practical words. One is more internal and one is more external. The internal one is this. Right thinking about heaven puts some limits on our fears and our anxieties. I was struck this week as I was reading through these, these sections, just how often Jesus would talk about peace and, and let not your hearts. Well, look, look in John, John 14, one, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, believe in God, believe in me. In my father's house are many rooms. So, Jesus is saying, you got some anxieties. You got some troubles in your heart. The solution is to think more about the perfections of heaven and the joy that awaits you. I was doing some reading this week and I came across a couple of studies. There's a, an organization in the UK called the BMC. It's a kind of a collection of about 250 different like health journals and there were some statistics that really, man, they're hard to read. In the last 10 years, since 2009, they did a survey of all these colleges. And they said the number one mental health issue that people show up at college mental health facilities with is anxiety. Used to be more about depression or it used to even be more about relationship issues. Now it's just anxiety. And it's not just everybody. Actually, the studies show that it is affecting young women at a higher rate than young men. In 2017, so just a few years ago, showed that 31% of young women, college age and younger, suffer from anxiety. That's a third if a third of any one of us suffered from something, you'd be like, this is a massive, massive problem. Why are our young women in particular, it's not only young women, but men, a third of our young women are suffering from like life affecting anxiety and fear. And there are many examples, but one of the key ones that they point to is the influence and impact of social media. Because on social media, you scroll through this endless feed of perfection. Every photo is, I mean, literally, the word is filter. I mean, just think about it. 
Oh, I fil- what do you filter? You filter out the bad, you put in the good. Scrolling through social media, image after image after image, perfect bodies, perfect hair, perfect vacations, perfect family life, perfect this, perfect that. That's not the only source, but it is a significant cause of anxiety in our world. Friends, might I humbly submit to you that heaven is more perfect than your Instagram feed. And actually dwelling on the perfections of Christ's heaven, the heaven of heavens, the heaven, the new heavens and the new earth that awaits us will put some limits on our fears and anxieties. There are things in the world that are terrifying. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I think a huge part of our fears and our anxieties stem from having A, wrong expectations about the world as it should be right now, but B, a wrong perspective on the heaven that awaits us as followers of Jesus. Thinking rightly, thinking more about heaven, puts some limits on our fears and anxieties. Number two, this is more external. I'll close with this. Right thinking about heaven fuels us for mission and for service. Some of you here today are very passionate about issues of serving the poor, immigrants, refugees, the disenfranchised, the weak, the powerless, the homeless, the hungry. You should care about all those things. Those are all biblical topics, biblical ideas. But, as our dear brother Johnny Cash pointed out before, that there's a way in which we can think about heaven that actually doesn't fuel us for mission and for service. But the Bible shows us a picture of what it looks like to really think about heaven and how that will fuel us towards evangelism, about caring, about, man, I I can't not be a part of this heaven breaking into earth. Yes, it's about giving people a sandwich and a cup of cold water, but it's not just the sandwich or the cup of cold water, amen? It's about ministering to their physical needs and about inviting them to understand that that's a sign and a symbol that points to the one that can satisfy our deepest spiritual needs. In Acts chapter 3, one of the the first sermons preached after after Jesus has, has ascended back into heaven, the apostle Peter stands up in front of this huge crowd and he, he starts talking about, you know, God predicted this, the Messiah would suffer and you need to repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. And he says that seasons of refreshing may come at, from the presence of the Lord. He's, he's saying you can experience a little bit of heaven right now and that he may send Jesus. One day Jesus is going to return who has been appointed for you as the Messiah, heaven must receive him. Heaven's going to hold on to Jesus until the time of the restoration of all things which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Yeah, Jesus is in heaven right now. And you can experience refreshing from him right now. And one day he's going to return. So everybody, repent. Believe the gospel. Come to know Jesus. A right understanding of heaven. I love this will fuel our mission, our service, and our evangelism. N.T. Wright, one of my favorite biblical scholars, says this, Jesus is risen, therefore God's new world has begun. Jesus is risen, therefore his followers have a new job to do. 
What is that new job? To bring the life of heaven to birth in an actual physical earthly reality. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from the earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. To that I say yes and amen. God, I pray that you would help us to think rightly and to think more about your heaven. The heaven that exists right now and and, and Jesus to think about the heaven that is promised to us. God, I pray you would help us in our fears and our anxieties to experience the peace and the joy of heaven. God, I pray that you would fuel us for mission and for evangelism because heaven is coming. Heaven is coming to earth. And, And Lord Jesus, we pray Would you come soon? Would you come soon? And until that day, would we be found faithful to think rightly about heaven, to worship you, the one who sits enthroned in heaven, and to experience those tastes of heaven here and now. Be with us even as we move to sing and to celebrate the Lord's table. God, would you help us to experience heaven even right now in this time? In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.